Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome everybody into the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Sports are starting to slowly end. Their seasons are coming to a close. However, I feel like we still have so much to talk about, Eric. There's a lot of excitement going on right now, Rachel. We just had the soccer tournaments end last week. We have the Women's Golf Championship happening this week. We have the Tennis Championship and the Men's Golf Championship happening next week. And we're, we're kind of like uh, in the pool. We're, we're kind of diving, you know, like Michael Phelps, how he like is under the water for like almost the length of the pool. And then it'll come up. That'll be us uh, about June 1st. Yes, it will. We've got plenty to talk about on today's episode of the WAC podcast, and we'll start with the soccer tournaments, Eric. Let's start on the women's side, actually, with Utah Valley and Seattle U in the championship match. Two teams that have matched up plenty of times, and Utah Valley able to get the win. Yeah, fourth time they've matched up for the championship since 2015. So these are the two uh, top programs over the past five years, five, six years in the WAC. And in Seattle U's case, I believe, is their eighth straight championship match, uh, longest streak of any team in the country making the championship, and, and kudos to them. Uh, obviously, Utah Valley advancing, but uh, Seattle U making it to the championship. Sydney Carr was not able to play due to some COVID, uh, COVID protocols. Uh, we, I should be very familiar with that term, as, as we both are. But uh, so unfortunate that we didn't get to see the top player in the conference this year in the tournament. But uh, there were some other uh, teams that had some similar issues. So, uh, but Utah Valley uh, knocked off New Mexico State in that semi, and that was such a tough match. And then they come back against Seattle U. We talked with Chris LeMay uh, later in this show. Rachel, he has some insight about that. He wasn't real happy with how his team played, especially in that first match and even in the, the first half against Seattle U. But they really came to play in the second half, and they are headed to the NCAA tournament and just – 48 teams going this year, not the round of 64 like we would normally see. And they get a matchup with Memphis in the first round down in North Carolina. It'll be an exciting matchup. That is next Wednesday. So we'll look forward to seeing that. Now on the men's side, the number six seed Air Force wasn't sure if they were going to make the WAC tournament at all. They come out on top and they defeat Grand Canyon 3-0 in the championship match. Holy smokes, Eric, what a just crazy end of the season. And obviously it's not over yet, but just a crazy end of whack season for Air Force. There was a feeling, I think, especially on the men's side, that anybody could win the tournament. Obviously, Grand Canyon was the top seed. They were undefeated. But when we were talking about some of those matchups, these powerhouses, UNLV against Seattle U and Air Force against San Jose State in the first round, uh, they, these are teams that are usually competing for the championship. But Air Force got hot at the right time, six wins in a row, no better time to get those six wins than in the tournament and at the end of the regular season to get into the tournament. And we'll talk with Doug Hill about that, but they're heading to the NCAAs. They'll play Seton Hall, but they're not the only team from the WAC heading to the NCAAs. GCU getting an at-large bid. So congratulations, Shella Simon's uh, career gets mm -hmm. to continue for a little while longer here. And what a feather in the cap for the WAC, only uh, 36 teams, two of them from our conference going to the NCAAs, that's uh, quite an accomplishment. Quite the accomplishment. And we are watching that championship match. Your heart always breaks for one of the teams because you just know that they have such high dreams of winning that. But I feel like it was 
I don't want to say a good thing, but it was definitely just an extra little perk that we now have two teams going down to North Carolina. Well, well, that's also a thing, Rachel. If, if GCU had won that championship match, we'd have one team going mm-hmm. instead of two. So, I mean, you hate to see uh, somebody lose, but uh, the way it worked out, getting two teams into the uh, finals and Grand Canyon, they're going to play Washington in the first round. So that, that'll be a, a big matchup uh, with the Huskies, who it seems like they always wind up playing Seattle U in the NCAA tournament, but this year they'll play GCU. Yeah, so we'll look forward to watching that match as well. And like you mentioned, Eric, at the beginning, we also are doing the women's golf tournament this week. You've been able to keep a little bit of tabs on them. What's been going on over there? Yeah, it's at uh, Boulder Creek Golf Club in uh, Boulder Creek uh, uh, outside of Las Vegas. And it it looks like a beautiful golf course. We're also going to have the men's championship there uh, next week. But uh, right now it's a two-team, as we record this, uh, a two-team race for the championship between Grand Canyon and New Mexico State. The Aggies led after day one. Grand Canyon leads after day two by just two shots. So this will come right down to the wire. Peyton Farringer uh, leads the tournament at uh, minus four. And Pun Chanachai, she took that extra year. Uh, It seems like Mm -hmm. we've been talking about her for a long time because we have. Uh, Time Whack Player of the Year. She is in second place. She had an outstanding round in uh, round two, uh, shooting minus four. So she's only two shots off the lead. A number of other golfers right there as well. But uh, GCU, New Mexico State, it it looks like it's going to be between those two for the title this year. We have been talking about her for what seems like forever, (laughs) but because it's good quality golf. So I'm happy to continue talking about it, but yeah, we'll see who ends up on top there. And like you mentioned, we've got the men's tournament coming up next week. We also have tennis, which you will be headed out to next week. Yeah. Heading to Las Cruces. And this was in doubt, you know, a few months ago when everything was shut down in New Mexico. And fortunately uh, everything's come back and we're able to have the tournament there. So we'll start on Friday uh, with the first round and then we'll have the semis for the men's and women's on Saturday with the championship on Sunday. But to congratulations to Grain Canyon coming away with the regular season title on the women's side this past week. Grain Canyon, New Mexico State, both sharing the men's title uh, in the regular season this year. So GCU, uh, another outstanding tennis season. And uh, looking ahead to next year with all of our sports, Rachel, but uh, tennis is the one I, I'm uh, the sport uh, management or uh, sport liaison for it's uh it's going to be uh, a much different looking tennis uh group next year with the the new texas teams who are mm-hmm. all very good at the sport of tennis so it's uh as as all of our sports are going to look very different that's that's definitely going to be one that that is as well and this will be your first tennis tournament right eric because i've gone to the ones in the years past uh first whack tennis tournament been yes been a few uh, when i was back in my armag days and uh, I, I was squeegeeing uh, the, the tennis courts at the Nebraska Kearney at one point as we we're trying to get matches in uh, because it was raining. But uh, yeah, it's uh, team tennis. It's a little different than I think mm-hmm. what people are used to when they watch uh, tennis, you know, Serena Williams or you know, professional tennis. It's, it's quite a bit different on the collegiate level. But it's so much fun. One match to see everybody kind of crowd around the gates. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching all of our tennis tournaments. So um, hopefully you get some good matches down there as well. And we also have a new head coach in the WAC for Abilene Christian. So their former coach left to take the UTEP job. And now their assistant coach has joined on the head staff, I guess. Yeah, he is now the, the head coach. Uh, they wasted little time 
and naming that uh, <laughs> new head coach, Brett Tanner, an assistant for Joe Golding, who went to UTEP uh, after uh, getting that NCAA tournament win. So <clears throat> congratulations to Coach Tanner. And I know that was a very popular move uh, with the players who, who remain there. Yeah, so a lot of the players took to Twitter saying that they weren't going to do any workouts until he was hired as their head coach. So uh, I'm sure a lot of the players are very happy and we're excited to see what's to come for Abilene Christian next year here in the WAC. Uh, speaking of basketball, though, Eric, again, we've talked about Oscar Frere, who tragically passed away a few weeks ago. Um, he was set to receive his diploma from Grand Canyon University, and he ended up doing so, but his mother and his nephew were able to get his diploma for him. And we had talked a little bit about that, Rachel, that it was going to be very emotional, and it was. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what a classy move by the administration at GCU to, to have Oscar's family come in and accept his diploma uh, on his behalf. And it, it's it, when you see the picture and his mother, you know, with the mask, I mean, you see the resemblance, the eyes, mm -hmm. uh, and, and how much Oscar and, and his mother uh, resembled each other. And for his nephew uh, to be able to hold up the plaque as well, just uh a very classy move by the folks at GCU. A very classy move indeed. And our thoughts and prayers still go out to Oscar Freire's entire family and the GCU Lopes community as well. Looking at Utah Valley now, they had their first NCAA tournament appearance in the volleyball and they didn't exactly get the win, but I know that they were still really proud of the team that they were able to get. Yeah, their first ever appearance. And as we were recording the show last week, Rachel was during the match. They wound up falling mm -hmm three to one to Texas state, but a great experience for the Wolverines to get to go to Nebraska for the tournament. And they have a lot of players coming back. So it's going to be interesting again next year, as we add the four new schools, Southern Utah, let's not forget coming the year after that. So it's going to be a very competitive uh, volleyball landscape for all of the uh, current WAC schools and their new WAC schools coming in. We've got three championships in the month of May with outdoor track and field, baseball and softball, Eric. So let's take a look at the softball standings real quick. Softball got, beginning to Seattle uh, before too long here. It's uh, middle of May, actually a little before the middle of May. It's going to be a different looking tournament this year, Rachel, than we've had in years past. There's only four schools are eligible to play in the tournament. And right now that's New Mexico State, Seattle U, both at six and three, first place in the WAC, mm -hmm. Grand Canyon at five and four, and Utah Valley at five and seven. So fewer numbers, uh, but sometimes uh, less is more, as they mm -hmm. say, in this tournament. So you have four teams, four very competitive teams, should make for a great tournament. And uh, it'll be uh, a lot of fun to go up to the Emerald City uh, for this. There's gonna be one less day than we've had before. But uh, with Seattle playing really well, New Mexico State playing really well, and, and Grand Canyon and Utah Valley both capable of winning the tournament as well. So it's been a, a couple of years since we've had a softball tournament. Uh, if you remember last year, it was supposed to be in Kansas City, and then it moved to GCU before the pandemic hit. So it's, uh, it's been a little while, been a minute, as you like to say, Rach, but uh, we're looking forward to that softball tournament coming up here in just about uh, three weeks. And we'll be praying for no rain for you while you're out there, Eric. You never know what you're going to get with that Seattle weather. And uh, we'll actually probably be praying for the opposite when we're in Mesa for the baseball tournament, because I'm sure it'll be close to 100 degrees, if not 100 degrees. So yeah, that might rain want might a actually... mist or something, you know, just to kind of cool things off. Exactly, exactly. But looking at the baseball standings right now, California Baptist sits on top in the WAC 13 and three on the season. And they're in a situation where they can't go to the tournament. 
Uh, mm-hmm. They did go to our basketball tournaments, obviously, but CBU was on that long win streak and they continue to play really good baseball. They're 13 and three, they're 21 and 11 overall, but uh, Grand Canyon has been the team uh, that, that's been on a hot streak. They lost to Arizona State on Tuesday and they play Arizona State again on Wednesday, which is the day we're recording this show. And that's going to be at GCU. And remember, they beat uh, Arizona last week. So they've they've done it. Mm-hmm. They lost 13 to 10. You talk about a battle of the bats uh, down there in uh, Tempe against Arizona State. And then they play the second game of the basically a, a doubleheader, a home at home doubleheader. And then uh, they, they don't have a, uh, a game for the rest of the week. And then they play Sacramento State. So that's always a good matchup when those two teams uh, get to play as Sacramento mm-hmm. State currently in third place in the WAC standings right now at 14 and six. And UTRGV had high expectations uh, at the beginning of the year. Rachel, as did New Mexico State, they're both eight and eight, nine and 11 in the WAC. But I think that's more showing how competitive the WAC is this year with, with those two teams' uh, mm-hmm. records maybe not being what people expected. Yeah. For New Mexico State, I mean, they lost a powerhouse in Nick Gonzalez. He uh, he was a phenomenal player, obviously went on to play with the Pittsburgh Pirates, just an absolute powerhouse. So having to fill that role, I'm sure it can't be easy for them either. And uh, they've lost seven in a row. So this is not a typical New Mexico State baseball, but I would not be surprised to see them get that turned around in time for the tournament. And they're still in good shape for uh, qualifying and as we've seen for many years Rachel that uh, that WAC baseball tournament anything can happen I was just about to say look at Sacramento State a few years back they come in they have to win every single game and then they do so to win the WAC tournament so definitely everything is up on the or up on the line I guess I should say for any team to go into a tournament and I mean even look at Air Force men's soccer the sixth seed and they come in to come out to win it so anything can happen and we love to see that here in the WAC but thank you everybody that tuned in to this WAC podcast episode we're gonna toss a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk with Air Force's head coach Doug Hill. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. And welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel Beanhill with Air Force Men's Soccer Head Coach Doug Hill with us. Coach, have you had a second to catch your breath at all? I have. You know, I got an extra day out in uh, Las Vegas after the team returned on Saturday night. Uh, they wanted to go celebrate and stay till Sunday, but the best thing was to get them back studying and get them back in the rooms and get back to sync for the, the next tournament, which is the uh, the NCAAs. But uh, Jared Dove was um, had to stay an extra day, so I took the bullet and stayed out there in uh, Las Vegas with him, and we flew back on Monday. Yeah, Coach, obviously it's been uh, kind of crazy weather in uh, Colorado uh, while you guys were basking in the sun, we had uh, some snowstorms to deal with there. But congratulations on winning the tournament. Uh, you guys have had so much success over the years. It, it was a little surprising to learn that that this was the first time Air Force won the WAC tournament, and you did it as a six seed. I mean, so such an unusual year. So kind of walk us through that, uh, Coach, as far as there, there was one point during the season when it was in doubt whether you're even going to be in the tournament this year. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, 
Um, we were coming down to the last three games and to make sure we were in the tournament, not knowing who was going to get canceled because COVID or who couldn't make trips. Uh, we said, we have to win these last three. Um, and immediately in my mind, it came to, you need to win these three. And if you don't, you want to go any further, you have to win the next three. But it was, we had an away game at Incarnate Word. We flew down there and uh, able to win on the road. And then it was, it's always awesome. It was the first time we played back in our soccer stadium on the grass field. And you're, you know how Colorado, it's not green yet. It's uh, brown and it's starting to pop. We get that orange ball out in the sky and all of a sudden it turns green, but we, uh, we were able to play at home and senior day on the home turf. So we close it out with Houston Baptist. And uh, we even the first time this year got to clear the bench and get some players some minutes that never saw the field yet. Seven, four, and one on the season. Six game or six match rip or win streak right now going on. What was the difference between the beginning of the season and the end of the season? You know, getting uh, different players' experience. Um, we played, to be honest, Rachel. The, the the first half of the season was against the tougher teams. You know, they were the one, the one, two, three, and four seeds. We played all them. The only team we didn't play was San Jose. Uh, and I knew they were good. I saw them play, you know, we're not new to any of this. We all watch each other play on the, you know, huddle and take our notes. But uh, I think just getting a little rhythm and then we developed some players, you know, different players had injuries. So we put London Agadu at defensive mid and our midfield became stronger as ball winners. Um, we lost Quinn Matulis, who's a playmaker. And we developed Jake Shavitz as a center back. And you could see in the last couple of games, he was very instrumental playing center back and shutting down some of the big time forwards in the uh, WAC. So I think it all worked out. And what I can say, the best thing going into this next round is we're all healthy and we're all back. Now I have the tough decisions. You know, who am I going to put in? Because we won with different players. Jared Dove was the start of the whole season and had to sit out the last two games of the um, tournament. And so that adjusted my midfield and uh, it worked out and I just hope it keeps working out. <laughs> We're talking with Doug Hill, the head men's soccer coach at the United States Air Force Academy. Let's take a look back at the tournament before we look ahead to your, your next step here, coach. You, you match up with San Jose State in, in round one and actually all the matches, I mean, we had Seattle U against UNLV, perennial powers matching up in every round this year with one fewer team than, than we normally have San Jose state, you go to a shootout and, and the advance that way. I mean, you talk about everything kind of breaking right the last six matches or so uh, starting right there. I mean, your season could have easily ended in that first round. Yeah. And I'm glad that we got to play the whole game because in that first half, we were down two zero in that match against San Jose. Uh, we were going against the win, and I was telling Brian German the other day, I thought maybe we'd have to wait the second half to get the win because it was playing a factor in the match. But to be able to put two goals against the win against a good quality team uh, spoke volumes of the players, the dedication, the hope, the drive, the belief um, to get into that penalty kick shootout. Uh, you don't want to end that way. You don't want too many to end that way. But uh, every team trains for them, and we lucked out, you know, having one more go in and they did so that's what advanced us coach do you watch the pks or are you one of the people who has to turn their back and then just go off a like crowd reaction <laughs> no i have to watch you know i want to enjoy the excitement with them the thing is we watch them we had different groups we had about 12 kids taking them each each day in practice and uh 
I'd swap back between different groups. And, you know, as you get prepared for the next match, you're hoping you don't have to go to penalty kick shootout. But when we played Rio Grande Valley quality team, I'm like, you know what, we're going to be ready. And now I'm going to mix up the lineup a little bit because I don't want them to have all our notes. And I was going to throw one of the six shooters to go first and, you know, just mix it up and let them keep guessing. But uh, you rely on your players and uh, they're all good penalty shooters, but it's a, it's a good time for the keeper to step up and become a hero. And we had a hero with uh, Kanaiwa likewise saving that last penalty kick. Coach, then you advance to the semis against UTRGV and you've been in that position before where you have a bye in the first round. And sometimes that works to your advantage. You figure with the rest, but sometimes not. Then you get a hot team like Air Force was this year, a six seed with some momentum coming in. Did that play to your benefit, do you think, in that second round, having a, a match under your belt? Uh, yes and no. I mean, they were more rested than we were. Um, and I think it showed at the beginning, they kind of took it to us. But I think long-term legs, maybe the altitude training, Kicked in in the second half, uh, able to get that goal. And then, um, I don't know, you know, you're probably right because in 2018, when I had that team that was uh, went to the Sweet 16, we had the bye and we lost against San Jose in that game. So there was a lot of parodies from when I look back. I've been here a lot of years. And, and even when you said that we won the WAC championship for the first time, I'm like, that's not true. But it was true because we won the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation as a, you know, not the number one seed against New Mexico in 2012, which got us into the NCAA. So, um, like you said, you know, I, I don't know if it's better to sit out or not, but our guys were definitely tired uh, when we came back, putting three games, putting an overtime game in the first one didn't help keep our legs any fresher. And I could see it on the next day when we trained, you know, their legs were heavy. The touches aren't as clean as when you're fresh. But uh, I think when the game kicks off, the adrenaline's flowing and I think your kicks are pretty sharp. And I think we played pretty well in that Rio Grande Valley game. Out of the three games from the WAC tournament, which match would you assess as the most complete game for your team? Uh, I'd say the last game against Grand Canyon, it had to be. And, and I'm going to credit our defense. Um, I gave them a challenge. I said, we need to keep that tenacity of, you know, you know, Defense is big mentality, you know? Yeah, we, I think with these players, we have the attitude. We always have the effort, which is a great, you know, compliment to my team. But to have a mentality, to defend is a mentality, not to let your guy get by you. Um, the challenge was to move the defense up the field a little bit. Don't defend on the top of the box. You're going to give too many looks to Grand Canyon. They have some very good shooters. They're very explosive. Move that up to the uh, above the 18. And in my, in my dream world, we're moving it to the center of the field. When you move it to the center field, you can find some counters and get some mojo going, going forward quickly. Um, and I think that's what we were able to do. They had looks, but not as great as looks as Rio Grande Valley did. Coach, you beat Grand Canyon in the final. Uh, you're heading to the NCAA tournament. A little different uh, look for the NCAA tournament this year than in prior years. Fewer teams qualifying, and you're heading to a bubble. You play, I believe it's Seton Hall uh, in the first round of the tournament. Uh, what are you looking for there and how different is it going to be going to a bubble as opposed to a regional site like you normally do? Um, it's exciting for the, the, the bubble is awesome. I think, you know, one thing we just took out of the NCAA tournament is the home field advantage. Everybody's playing away on a neutral field. Uh, that's exciting. The weather's going to be good. I thought we played well in UNLV on that nice grass field. I know the grass is good 
at the parks in North Carolina. Um, the weather temperatures can be great. Uh, I think um, it's a new team. I think the last time we played him was in a West Point tournament. I'm not even going to guess the year, probably 2004 or something like that, when they had Sasha Question scoring a lot of goals for Seton Hall. But uh, they've been on a roll. Um, to, to face another opponent that we haven't seen is going to be exciting. Um, they won the Big East. They're coming off a big high roll, beating Georgetown, which, which is the national champ last year. So, you know, for my guys to continue their success, keeping the belief is important. Continuing to listen to our coaching inputs, and they are a young team. They're not an old team like we usually have that gets to the tournament. And they're very receptive, and I think we can continue with our concepts and just keep getting better, even going into the tournament. Coach, you touched on it a little bit right there, but what makes Ian Hall such a tough opponent? Well, their experience. Um, they have a wide variety of uh, different players from different countries playing. Uh, when the teams get those players, they're usually not 18-year-old freshmen. They're 21, 22. They didn't make their pro. They're not in the, uh, the top level. So a great option for them is come to the United States and play. Um, kind of the soccer savviness makes it tough because those guys have a little bit more experience that way. And I think uh, our players, we gained it. You know, it's not like we haven't seen that. Because if you look at Grand Canyon, if you look at, you know, Rio Grande Valley, you look at Incarnate, all these teams, they have a lot of the same type of players. And they are challenging and they are good. But I think I believe in our players and what we can do. And collectively, we have to defend. We got to be the hardest team to play against. And that's one of our strengths. You know, we're going to find ways. I tell the guys every game, you're going to get a look or two in the first 10 minutes. And if you put it away, of course, I lied to him on this one. I told him, you know. Whoever scores first usually wins. Well, San Jose, we didn't, we didn't score first and we didn't score second, but uh, we came back in that one. But the soccer stats say that if you score first, you usually win. So you'll get an opportunity putting those chances away, and that's what started to happen at the end of the season, and I hope we can continue that. Coach, well, what's it going to take to have a run like you did a few years ago to the Sweet 16? Obviously a, a much different team than you did. That, that, that team, I know uh, a lot of the guys had grown up together and and that was their their final hurrah. This seems to be a little bit uh, maybe younger of a team. It is. You're right. Um, we don't even have the same type. We have great camaraderie. They love each other. They love playing. I think the highlight of the day, I mean, the academy has these things called resiliency training days where they try to get the guys all pumped up and they coach, they go, coach, why do I have to go to that meeting? My resiliency day is coming down and playing with the other players. So they like being around each other. They bond, you know, they don't get to sit at the same meal all the time. They don't even get to use the locker room like they used to all the time, sit in the team room. But when they're on the pitch, they're united. They have a unit. Um, and I, to answer your question directly, group defending, swarming the ball, uh, collective effort, and uh, putting away our chances is going to be the key going into the uh, NCAA. Coach, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us, and best of luck against Seton Hall. Okay, all the best. Thank you. All right, that is Doug Hill from the United States Air Force Academy. Coming up next, we'll talk to Chris LeMay, women's soccer coach at Utah Valley. The Wolverines are also heading to the NCAA tournament. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC Podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel.
Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner and Rachel Hill, also with Chris LeMay, the head coach from Utah Valley Women's Soccer. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, ha- right. happy and happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you on. Obviously, a very exciting year for you. You won a share of the WAC regular season title. You win the tournament over Seattle U. What made this group so special this year? Um, you know, we, we, we had a great core and we brought, um, a lot of new talent in and, um, having the ability to, you know, really get the, uh, the freshmen acclimated in the fall, um, just through training, obviously not through matches, but, you know, to have them in with us for, you know, a longer duration of time before we kicked off real matches, I think was, was beneficial, but, uh, the team is united. Um, the chemistry is good camaraderie is good and um and they're talented so you know when you put all those ingredients together more often than not you get a good product and and certainly we have this year coach as rachel mentioned you you won the uh share of the WAC championship such a strange season i mean this time last year we weren't sure what uh the fall was going to look like i think everybody thought we would still play in the fall didn't wind up playing in the fall wound up playing in the spring how different was it for your squad playing in the spring as opposed to the fall this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I, you know, I, I, I'm one of, I'm one of the advocates for soccer splitting their season and playing in the fall and the spring. Um, I don't know how realistic that's ever going to become, but um, for us, I mean, it was, it, it allowed us to have more meaningful training um in the fall knowing that you know our our competitive season you know the 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 part of the season that counts for us was still ahead of us um so but it was but it was you know it was tricky to manage you know training every single day and and playing against each other only what was tough you know not not being able to go and compete against somebody other than yourselves was something that you know we had to be real strategic with our scheduling uh and and not like overdo it but you know but keep it um, you know, really, really fresh and, and, and competitive. And we were able to, we were able to do that. So, um, you know, I, for us, it was at this point and, and with whatever everybody's gone through, not, not, well, you know, we're not unique to the situation, but it was just, uh, we looked at every, every opportunity that we got to play was, was a gift and, and we were grateful for it. Coach, I'm curious, what advantages do you see with the split season? Well, I mean, for me, um, I, th- I think that we would we would have more rest opportunity in in both seasons. Um, you know, playing one match per week, or or you know, more often than not playing one match a week. Uh, I think gives the players a, a, a more ample time to recover. And then you know, for me, if if you play three months in in the fall, and then you turn around and play like three months in the spring, you're playing six months where it's real and competitive. And I think that for development purposes, for these players that do have aspirations to go play in the NWSL afterwards, um, you know, playing in that format's going to prepare them better. Um, certainly any players that have, you know, national team aspirations. Um, I think, I think it's a, a, pro- a more proper environment for, the, for, for that reason as well. So um, I'm very much a proponent of it. Talking with Chris LeMay, the head women's soccer coach of Utah Valley. They were the WAC tournament champions. Coach, uh, as far as the back-to-backs during the regular season, playing Thursday, Saturday against the same opponent, we saw this in basketball. They played Friday, Saturday, same opponent. Uh, so tough to beat the same team twice, I would think, in a sure. three-day time span. Did that prepare you at all for, for the tournament? Did that uh, maybe get the team a little tougher for, for this past week? 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, we we're we are we are when we have been accustomed to playing two matches in a weekend, regardless of if it was you know two separate op- opponents um, or if it's the same opponent. So I mean, having to play you know a semifinal on Thursday and Saturday is not not something that you know we're we're unaccustomed to. Um, with that being said, I thought that having the ability to take one flight and be in one hotel and one charter bus, as opposed to, you know, playing New Mexico state and then turning around and having to, you know, get on another flight to go to UTRGV and, you know, a whole new hotel and a whole new uh, rental situation and whatnot. I mean, from that, from that purpose or for, from that standpoint, I thought it was, it was positive. Um, but yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, it's tricky. Like I wouldn't vote to continue to do that, but um, you know, it's tricky to, to play the same opponent twice. And, um, you had to get a, a little bit creative, you know, changing up personnel or, or changing your system and, and just trying to be like one step ahead of the other staffs that are obviously trying to do the same thing. Coach, a very balanced, balanced, excuse me, offense this year, 11 goal scorers for you, 10 of which have got multiple goals on the season. What emphasis did you really put on ball movement this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, we feel like we've got a lot of weapons and, and I think that that shows in the stats, um, you know, we, we've always wanted to keep possession of the ball. We've always wanted to um, be dynamic in our, in our attack. And, um, you know, and, and, and it paid off this year. You know, I, I think, I think for me, if you said, Hey, what's the, what's the difference between this team and, and, you know, some of our past teams is probably not the brand of soccer we have with the ball, but I think defensively we were better this year, um, you know, and, and, and certainly it showed in, in, you know, having a less than a goal, a game average against and, and having eight, eight shutouts, which was a, was a conference high, um, you know, so we knew that we would be able to produce um, goals on the attacking side. So we, we, we put a lot more focus on, okay, if we don't give up goals, you know, w- with the amount of players that we, we know we had that can score, um, we figured we'd win a lot of games and, and sure enough, it, it worked out that way. Coach, at the tournament uh, this past week, you drew New Mexico State for your first match. They beat UTRGV, first win by the Aggies in the tournament since 2014, and they, they won 3-0. They were playing really well. You guys had the bye. We've heard this uh, go back and forth over the years, uh, whether or not it's a, a real benefit to have that bye. Of course, you get the more rest, but you also uh, face a hot team. So looking sure. back at that semifinal matchup, uh, Anything you would have changed there? Yeah, I mean, number one, Rob, Rob's done a great job. And Rob's a friend of mine, and I got a lot of respect for, for he and his program. Um, for us, and I mean, you, you saw that the end of the game interview. I wasn't happy with, with the way that, that my team came out and played. And, you know, I, we talked about not, you know, respecting everybody and, and, and not fearing anybody, but, but respecting them and, you know, not, not thinking that all we had to do is get off the bus and all of a sudden, you know, we get the result we want. And, um, you know, they, they, they really scared us. Um, and, and it was because they, they had a great game plan and they played well, but we, we didn't play at our, you know, nine or 10. I mean, we, we, we played at a seven on that day and, and we were lucky to get through that game because of it. And certainly I hope that that's a learning opportunity for especially our younger kids is that, you know, day in and day out, you got to show up and you got to give it your all and give it your best and, and mentally and physically. Right. And, and I think we were a little bit lethargic in both areas and because of it, you know, we, uh, we, we could have been beat and then we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. You'd be talking with somebody else. Coach, you mentioned not being happy after that post-match interview. Well, we saw you jumping for joy, literally 
after you won the championship. Did anybody make any comments to you about that jump? Um, yeah, a couple of the parents that were on the, you know, right behind our bench did. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, even even in the first half of the Seattle game, like we didn't feel like we, we were playing at our our best level. And, and it, you know, it was like it was frustrating. Um, but the second half, I thought, you know, was a really good representation of, of what we are and who we are and what we can be. Um, and that's, and that's all I ask, you know, that's all I ask of the players is just come and be as good as you can be. And there'll be teams in this, you know, in this country that on our best day, you know, we might not get the result, but I can, we can at least be proud of, you know, the product we put out and in, in, in the second half against Seattle, uh, I was really, I was really pleased with the way that, that we performed. Um, and certainly I just wanted it so bad for this group. Um, and I felt like they were deserving. So, you know, when, when the final whistle blew, um, you could see that, that I was happy. Coach, uh, our whack top play this week is Isabel Jones Daw, uh, spectacular save in the first half against Seattle. You, what did she mean to the team uh, this week and all season long? Yeah, she's got, um, she instills confidence in the back line. I mean, they, they, they just, they can trust her. Uh, she's a great distribution. Um, she, so she provides good distribution and is able to, open the game up with, with, with long balls, but she's also, you know, technically and tactically um, able to play the way we want to out of the back. And then obviously she's, you know, she's a great presence, um, you know, a super athlete and she's really competitive and she's, she's a good vocal leader. So um, she's been a massive pickup for us and we're obviously really happy to be having her return again this upcoming fall. Coach, you head down to North Carolina, take on Memphis next Wednesday. This is your second time with the Wolverines headed to the NCAA tournament. What's one thing that you're hoping to take from that first year to this year? Well, I mean, I've already watched Memphis, you know, play in three matches. Um, they're really good. And we know that it's going to take 90 minutes of everything we got uh, to get, to get a result. Um, but certainly that's what we're going to prepare to do. Um, we're, we're, when we went and played against Stanford, um, you know, it, 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 we didn't show up thinking we were going to lose, but we also knew that they had to have a bad day and we had to have it like a, like an out of character, great day. And the win had to be at our backs, you know, both, both halves and every referee call had to go our way. And like, it had to be a perfect storm in order for us to even think we could get a result against the number one team in the country that, you know, had 15 U S national team players on their roster. Um, some of which I coached. Um, so you know, Memphis is really, really good. And we know that we're going to have to do everything that we can to get the result, but, but we certainly we're getting off the plane, um, you know, with a different attitude about this match. Um, so we're excited. And coach, it's kind of a bubble format, if you will, in North Carolina. So how does that change things for you guys? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've, you know, they've got the tier one access versus tier two. So uh, we're allowed to put, I want to say it's 28 players or 28 players and staff, you know, in our tier one. And that's who we'll be hanging out with. You know, any, anybody outside those 28 are, are not going to be welcome kind of within, within our bubble. So when we talk about, you know, travel and, and, and food and hotel and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's going to be, but to be fair, the people in that bubble are the only ones that are going to have any impact on, on us uh, getting the result that we want anyway. So, um, you know, we're, we're comfortable with that. Coach, best of luck next Wednesday against Memphis. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
from Utah Valley Women's Soccer. We also have Doug Hill from Air Force Men's Soccer. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.